Morning, Glory America. It is Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Hugh Hewitt Show. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue, the last radio hour of the week when I am joined by either Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, all things Hillsdale, collected at hillsdale.edu. And you ought to go there today. If you've never been to the site, go watch the Churchill course, for goodness sake, or the Constitution course, hillsdale.edu. All of my conversations with Larry Arn or all of his colleagues, like Victor Davis Hanson last week, are collected at hugh4hillsdale.com for your binge-listening pleasure. Dr. Ron, congratulations on a sexful, successful commencement last week. It sounded like <laughs> sex-filled there for a second, didn't it? It really wasn't, I hope. It wasn't like that. No, no. Thank you. Yeah, the great thing is commencement is over, and uh, <laughs> there's always a vast relief. But uh, our commencement was great this year. Mike Pence came, and, uh, and uh, it went off without a hitch. And everybody, all the kids, did better than behave themselves. They gave him a standing ovation. And he gave a lovely talk. And uh, the the head of his on-site advanced team is a current Hillsdale College student, <laughs> Ryan Murphy, a girl who's just lovely. And uh, so it was just, it was just uh, fun for all of us. Well, I am uh, going to play some excerpts of that after we cover in the first segment, some news, breaking news of the week. Then I want to go back and play some of what the vice president had to say and have you comment on it. Uh, I noted you stayed awake through the entire thing. I was watching that, and so congratulations to you, uh, uh, President Arn, for honoring your speaker. Uh, in, in all your regaldom with your robes on, it's always tempting to t- you know catch a quick nod while you can. It's a long day. Commencement's a long day, right? I look like I look like a medieval Latin singer. <laughs> yes, you did. All right, first first story of the morning has to do with the great city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. And I just need your comment on this because I'm so mortified by this. The city of, the city of Philadelphia, after 20 years of a relationship with uh, Catholic social services, announced that they are cutting off that relationship at the end of June, which has placed children in in great crisis into the foster homes provided through Catholic Social Services. They are cutting it off. Uh, They have 5,000 children, by the way, in need of foster care, but they will not allow anyone qualified by Catholic Social Services to take in those children because of the Catholic Church views on same-sex marriage. What do you think, and the Beckett Fund is suing about this, but what do you think that tells us, Larry Arn? Well, it's a... an alternative religion, and it's uh, aggressive, is it not? I mean, wouldn't the criteria be take good care of the kids? And one would think. Yeah, Catholic Social Services has a reason grounded in their faith on peril of their salvation to be good to everybody, especially the young, little children. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a very aggressive thing to do. And you know, big city politics, right? It's just one party state. And uh, see, I, I think Catholic social services might get it's a crisis for the church, maybe, because I, I know back in California one time I heard a lady give a talk who was head of Southern California Catholic Social Services, and they got most of their money from the government. But, and you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, we don't take any money from the government because we wish to be free. And there's nothing wrong from the government giving money to a, a church to do some good work for the community, and it's more efficient. So anyway, that's, but you see what's happening, right? In other words, today, the way the government works is if you take anything from it, it owns you, and if you don't, 
it owns you. <laughs> that, 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 or it will use one of its agents, like the NCAA, which is not formally an agent of the government, but acts like it is, to, to bring you to bring the knee to bend. Uh, in the Beckett Fund brief, they write, on an average day, Catholic Social Services serves more than 120 children in foster care. It supervises around 100 different foster homes. Through its combined programs, Catholic Social Services serves more than 2,200 different at-risk children in Philadelphia, regardless of race, by the way, regardless of background, regardless of religion, regardless of the sexual orientation of the children as they perceive it. For decades, Catholic Social Services has partnered with the city to place foster children in stable, loving homes. It has a proven track record of compassion, quality, and success. Close quote, end of brief. I bring this up only because we talk about the administrative state almost every day, and the reason we do is because like the Borg in Star Trek, it's growing and it will absorb everything or you will be rejected out into the darkness. Mm. We're old enough to remember the expression, uh, don't make a federal case out of it. Everything is a federal case now. You don't have to make it. It already is. Uh, That, by the way, is one of the reasons brings me to Donald Trump and never Trumpers. I was debating Charlie Sykes on Meet the Press last night. I didn't intend to. I didn't want to, but Charlie likes to make everything personal these days. I didn't bring up the fact that Donald Trump is now nominated and Mitch McConnell, Chuck Grassley, and the Republican Senate confirmed 21 appeals court judges. That is one out of eight sitting federal appeals court judges, the average one of which will participate in about between 400 and 500 cases per year. Do you understand the magnitude of what Donald Trump has done to the federal judiciary for originalism? Yeah, and in a hurry, too. You know, I mean, he, he, he's he's not just way ahead of Obama in some things like that. He's uh, he's 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 almost way ahead of his whole four eight year record. You know, it's amazing how much he's done. It, it, and in fact, that, they got he, in the Go ahead. Well, the president Obama nominated 49 over eight years. By the end of this year, President Trump probably will have confirmed 40. Yeah. Nothing like the uh, having the numbers. See, that's, you know, he he set out to do that, right? He, you know, the, the people who help him with that have been with him a long time, but long before he, even before he went into politics. And they're, they're, some of them are brilliant, and they did, and, and the ones I know. And they, you know, they just know, they, they went to Washington knowing what they were going to try to do, and they just got about it. And you have to say a word for Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley who have, uh, let's say, relaxed the blue slip requirement, which is a requirement that if you're, if a nominee, a, a, a judicial appointment is in your state, a senator has to sign a little blue slip that says it's okay with him, and if they withhold it, the hearings can't go forward. And this is a custom that's prevailed no matter which party was in power, except the Democrats have abandoned it before. And so the Republicans were very reluctant to do that, but they did it. And those two guys been in the Senate a long time and regard themselves as protectors of the traditions of the Senate. Both of them made some changes to let these appointments go forward. And that's just right. It is just right. Now, I hope you're sitting down because this comes from MSNBC. Not surprisingly from Stephanie Rule, my colleague over there is a real newswoman. 
She said this yesterday, cut number five. A year ago this week, Robert Mueller launched his special investigation into possible collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia during the 2016 elections. But what happened economically for Americans in their day-to-day lives in the past year? It's more than just Russia and collusion. We've got to live our lives. So let's take a look. Americans have made gains with this president. Nearly three million jobs have been created since Trump took office. And there are record 6.3 million job openings that employers are ready to fill now. The unemployment rate has fallen almost a full percentage point from 4.8% in January 2017 to 3.9% in April. That is the lowest in 18 years. Wages are starting to tick up slowly, rising 2.6% in April from the previous year. So we still need to play some real catch-up there. But meanwhile, the stock market continues on its nine-year bull run. The Dow has gained 20% in the past year alone, fueled by strong corporate earnings. Only half of Americans are actually invested in stocks, and mostly through 401ks and other retirement accounts. But President Trump says... His tax cuts, his deregulation, and killing the agenda of regulating and holding businesses back are going to boost our economy, which he says will benefit all Americans in the form of higher wages. We're going to see if that works out the way he says it will. But here's the thing. Trickle-down economics require trickling down, and we don't know if that's going to happen yet. I want to share some numbers. Right now, 40% of American households are struggling to pay for basics like rent, transportation, childcare, and phone services. And that is even for people who have jobs and live above the federal, the federal poverty line, according to a new study from the United Way. So while President Trump deserves a lot of credit for the economic gains that we're seeing and the positive business sentiment in this country... Larry Arn, uh, before we run out of time, did you hear Stephanie Rule say he deserves a lot of credit on MSNBC? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. And uh, now, you know, she was, uh, it sounds to me like she was going on to take all that away so she could keep her job. But uh... <laughs> No, they don't do that. But, but it's like Salem. They don't actually tell you what to say at MSNBC. They know, what, they know who you are, but they don't tell you what to say. She's just fair. I, I mean, there's just, have you read Conrad Black's new book about Trump yet? No, I've been hearing about it, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, my. What a book. I'll come back with Dr. Larry Arm. We're going to talk about the vice president at Hillsdale College. Saturday last when we return to the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. Go sign up for Imprimus right now and come back. Welcome back, America, from the ReliefFactor.com studio inside the Beltway. I am Hugh Hewitt. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue, the last radio hour of the week, which I usually spend with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College. We have a third guest today via video, via audio tape, the vice president of the United States, who was this Saturday past at Hillsdale as, as its commencement speaker at the college. Here is one of the things he said, Dr. Arn, cut number six. For my part, I've always marveled at Hillsdale College's long and often lonely stand for freedom in America. This college was founded at a time of great consequence in the life of our nation, a time when Americans were deeply divided over the meaning and purpose of our country and whether, as the Declaration of Independence forcefully states, that we are, in fact, all created equal. But for the founders of Hillsdale College, the truths of the American founding were just that, true for all people at all times. In 1844, those men and women did what no other college had done up to that time. Hillsdale College prohibited any discrimination based on race, religion, and gender at its very founding. They established this institution 
to provide sound learning necessary to preserve the principles and the promise of America, and so has Hillsdale done in every era since. Inscribed on Central Hall, I'm told, are the words, May earth be better and heaven be richer because of the life and labor of Hillsdale College. And so it has been true. But I also know these words will continue to ring true for generations to come because of the men and women of the Hillsdale College class of 2018. This is an extraordinary group of men and women who have accomplished extraordinary things in their time here, and they've only just begun. High praise, Dr. Larry Arn, and uh, good speech writing by someone on the vice president's staff, though I suspect he knew of Hillsdale before he began to speak. Yeah, well, I, he's, first of all, he's such a nice man, you know, and he's, uh, you know, he's writer happens to be a student of mine uh <laughs> but but the, one of the things that means is that uh because i've had quite a few students do things like that i know how that works right and that that speech i said it toward the end that was an emanation of the character and the strategy and the convictions of mike pence and mr stephen ford who told him all the inside baseball stuff about hillsdale that he got a lot of laughs about um Mr. Stephen Ford has described to me how that speech and all his speeches work. Uh, The speech moves from being gracious to Hillsdale College and talking about the importance of education to a short period in the middle where he talks about the state of the country and about the Trump administration, and it's what it's done so far, to a longer period at the end that is exclusively devoted to faith. And it moves from faith in general to his personal faith. And that's Mike Pence. That's what he does. That's his, that's his plan for his life and his plan for his career. And he's been like that for as long as I've known him, and I've known him a long time. Let, so. Let's play a clip about the world and the accomplishments as it comes up. Cut number eight. Today, you, the members of the class of 2018, will graduate from this extraordinary college and enter new careers and endeavors. So before I go further, I'd like to take a moment to talk about what good timing you have. You'll be glad to know the America that awaits your energies and ambitions is experiencing a new era of opportunity and optimism. You're beginning your careers at a time of growing American economy and restored American stature at home and abroad. And I can personally attest from my travels across this nation. Faith in America is rising once again. On the world stage, you've seen America embracing our role as leader of the free world, with action just this week on Iran, North Korea, and Monday, America will lead the world again when we open our new embassy in Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. So Larry, there he did it. He said you're graduating at exactly the right time. Isn't that good? Yeah. When we come back, we're going to come right back with Dr. Larry and play the faith talk because that is the heart of the speech given last week by Vice President Pence at Hillsdale College. Hillsdale.edu, America. Stay tuned. It is the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt from the ReliefFactor.com studios inside the very wet Beltway. I'm Hugh Hewitt, joined by Dr. Larry Arn, President of Hillsdale College. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue. I want to go back to the Vice President's commencement speech at Hillsdale College last week. 
all of which I assume is online at hillsdale.edu. Before I do, Dr. Ron, Thomas Wolfe died, uh, and yeah. uh, the great American novelist. I did not know him. I've been reading Matthew Continetti's memorial and Peggy Noonan's. Continetti wrote this. Intellectuals emphasize the disparity between the ideal and the actual. What Wolfe did was highlight the difference between what intellectuals say and how intellectuals behave. Wow. Uh, what did you make of Mr. Wolfe? I did not know him. Did you? Well, I, 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 I met him twice. I didn't talk to him very long, but uh, my new colleague, Michael Anton, called in my family Mr. Wonton, because he used to babysit my kids, uh, is uh, writing a big piece about him and interviewed him for several days a few years ago and was meaning to write a book about him and then got swept up in his life. He just left the National Security Council. And he told me all about him the other day. And he said he is the most polite and courteous human being I have ever met. He's almost formal, even in long, day-long conversations about his life. Very forthcoming, but, uh, and uh, Michael said, he asked him once, he said, God has given you a very wicked wit. And, uh, and Wolf said, thank you. And he said, how can you be so nice? <laughs> and, and Wolf replied, I think it's because I grew up in the South. <laughs> ah, that's like Walker Percy used to say that. By the way, Joseph Epstein once wrote what I learned when, about the South, why I love the South, in an essay about his army years during the after Korean War and how he read himself to literacy in the South. That might be the case. I What an opportunity for Anton. You should tell him to write that book in a hurry because uh, uh, that, that description is very enticing. And I was immediately put in mind of one person uh, 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 whose rectitude comes through in history. You know what I'm thinking about? Washington was never not polite and never quite not reserved, right? Yeah. Except yeah. on a battlefield. Oh, a standard to which we should aspire, Hugh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's well put. Let's go to Michael Pence, the Vice President of the United States, talking about faith uh, at cut number 10 last Saturday on the campus of Hillsdale College. Cut number 10. Now, full disclosure. People who know me well know that I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. As the good book says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. In fact, it was 40 years ago this spring that I put my faith in Christ as a freshman at another liberal arts college not very far from here. And while in some places deeply held religious belief is becoming more rare, leading some to claim that America's rich faith tradition will soon be a relic of our nation's past, it just isn't so. Facts are facts. Faith is rising across America. I see it every day. In communities large and small, in the way Americans respond in good times and in great hardship. The faith of the American people shines forth. I see it as I travel across this great country as countless Americans take the time to tell us often with great emotion the sweetest words we ever hear. I'm praying for you. And I know they mean it. And I see it right now. Right here at Hillsdale College. An institution founded by those who proclaim themselves Grateful to God for his inestimable blessings. 
Even as many continue to forecast the decline of religion in American life, the truth is, as President Trump recently said, this is a nation of faith. And faith continues to exert an extraordinary hold on the hearts and minds of a growing number of Americans. In fact, the percentage of Americans who live out their religion on a weekly basis, praying, going to church, reading and believing in the Bible, has remained remarkably consistent over the decades, even as the population of the United States has grown by leaps and bounds. I mean, think about it. Today, relative to the population, four times as many Americans go to church on a regular basis than at the time of our nation's founding. Religion in America isn't receding. It's just the opposite. Faith is gaining new life across America every day. Uh, Larry, that is a very unusual and hope-filled message and not one that is often heard. I'm glad he delivered it. Yeah, he's uh so he's a very interesting guy. He uh he did this incredibly politically gutsy and I think insightful thing because he was running for re-election to the governorship of Indiana and it was a tight race, but of course a newer and much less well-known Republican candidate would win that race and so the betting was he was going to win. And he just, he he got an invitation from Donald Trump, and darned if he didn't take it. And I think that that ambition and calculation in him is to advance that those set of things he was just saying, right? In other words, he thinks it's a great country. We're free to worship God. We ought to do it, but nobody makes us. And he just loves that. And uh, I think it's, He's made it the center of his life, and it's practiced now. He's as much a slave to his wife as I am to mine. You are to the fetching Mrs. Hewitt. But, uh, Which means complete. Yes. Complete. Uh, in other words, there's no independent existence, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful and miserable condition. But, uh, but uh, this and, – and he – you know, he, you can't get away from that with him. She, she just, they're very close, right? And she's very charming and fun, and they're just peas in a pod. But his faith is the same kind of thing. You know, I, I saw the vice president last week at the swearing-in of Richard Grinnell, the highest openly gay diplomat we have ever confirmed. He's the, uh, you know, the ambassador of America to Germany, the most important non-nuclear power in the world. And Rick's partner, Matt, was there holding the giantest Bible I've ever seen. And the vice president swore him in. And then the vice president said to the fetching Mrs. Hewitt, you've got to meet Karen, which is the highest compliment possible, right? If you wish to introduce someone yeah, yeah. to your wife. Yeah. And, uh, and she walked away. She hadn't met the vice president before, and I have a few times. And what a remarkably nice man. And I believe it's because he is a Christian conservative Republican in that order. That's a line he's used for a long time. So tell me, Larry Arn, why did George Will attack, savage him, not attack him, savage him yeah i don't know the answer to that i saw george last this week and uh i don't that was not you know he george george will doesn't like donald trump a lot of people don't and uh you know there are things about donald trump that i don't like and a few things i do but uh pence is you know he does what a vice president does he boosts donald trump and that's not false, because uh, uh, Mike Pence was not a guy with a political job that was that was not going anywhere. You get elected twice governor of Indiana, you're a candidate for president. And uh, 
So he gave up something to join Donald Trump. It means I think he means it. Well, I think maybe George resents that. And uh, and that, I've been thinking I, I, about I, this I, because I'm I'm just so startled by it. But let me, if I couldn't take part of your time, I want to read a list so that it is in the Hillsdale archive. This list is Amul Tharp, age 49, John Bush, age 55, Kevin Newsom, age 46, Ralph Erickson, 59, Amy Barrett, 46, Joan Larson, 50, Allison Ede, 53, Stephen Bebas, 49, Gregory Katz is 54, Stephen Grass, 57, Don Willett, 52, James Ho, 45, David Strauss, 44, Elizabeth Branch, 50, Kyle Duncan, 46, Kurt Engelhart, 58, Michael Brennan, 55, Michael Scudder, 47, Amy E, 53, Joel Carson, 47, John Nalbandian, 49. They are all confirmed on the federal bench, the appeals bench. And Ryan Bounds, 45, Mark Bennett, 65, Andy Oldham, 40, Britt Grant, 40, Paul Mady, 47, David Porter, 52, Marvin Quattlebaum, the wonderfully named Marvin Quattlebaum, 54, Julius Richardson, 42, Richard Sullivan, 54, Ryan Nelson, I think he's 15. I don't have his age. He looks like he's 15. They are all nominated. Dr. Larry Arn, these people will defend religious liberty for the next 30 to 40 years at a rate of 400 decisions a year. How can anyone not see this? Yeah, that's just too good a thing. And, you know, one of, one of my students just became number two in the office of, uh, what is it called? Office of International Interagency Regulatory Affairs under the great Naomi Rao, OIRA. Oh, she is great. She's the person who's called, except she won't permit herself to be called this, the regulatory czar. She's what Obama's Cass Sunstein was. And she just hired one of my students to be her number two. And I talked to her about it, right? And she's so good, you know. Well, the point is, all of those judges, Don McGahn will make the point in public, all of those judges are not only in an age where they're going to go on for a while, but all of them have done extensive thinking and writing about administrative law, which is the alternative to constitutional law in America today and, and the scene of the great struggle. So that's, that's a direction that's not just let's get a bunch of conservative judges and not just let's get a bunch of Republican judges. That's let's get a bunch of judges who've done substantial work on that big issue. It's amazing. And who understand the implication of this unelected and largely unsupervised branch, uh, Doctor. And i got to read to you before we go to break. My friend Jerry just sent me a note. George Marshall was also known for his politeness and rectitude. He once advised a staff member to not be concerned with being blunt with him as, quote, my feelings are reserved for Mrs. Marshall, close quote. <laughs> that's <good. laughs> so, that's a, it's, it's very apropos, right? It's very, we'll come back with more. Mike Pence and Dr. Larry Arn. It's the Hillsdale Dialogue. All things Hillsdale are collected for you at hillsdale.edu. Go to uh, com if you wish to binge listen to all these, and I, and I hope you do. They go back five years and back to Homer and forward to today. For my part, I've long believed that nothing is more important to the future of this nation. Faith has always been the wellspring of hope for millions of Americans from our very founding. Faith has been the foundation of our freedom as well. And religion was recognized by our founders as essential to the republic. It's a truth that's been taught here at Hillsdale. It would not be a new thought for this class. 
Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. That is Vice President Mike Pence talking last week at Hillsdale College. I am broadcasting from the ReliefFactor.com studios inside the Beltway, but that was at Hillsdale, Michigan. The president of Hillsdale College, Dr. Larry Arn, joins me. All of that address can be found at Hillsdale.edu. Dr. Arn, it occurred to me when I was listening to Mike Pence, uh, a study came out um, less than a month ago by the National Association of Scholars. Mitchell Langbert wrote it. Homogeneous, the political affiliation of elite liberal arts college faculty. And he sampled 8,688 tenure-track PhD professors from 51 of the top 66 liberal arts colleges in the U.S. News and World Report. And the astonishing ratios of Democrat to Republican is so overwhelming. Bryn Mawr, they have 72 Democrats and no Republicans. At Wesley, and they have 31 Democrats and one Republican. At Franklin Marshall, 15.4 to 1. At Lafayette, 6 to 1. At Worcester, 5.8 to 1. I mean, these are the good ones, but if you go to Sarah Lawrence, it's 54 to 1. Uh, it is remarkable, and I believe, and tell me if you think this, I think this is going to crumble. This cannot endure. People are going to want Hillsdale College and commencements like that for their children. Well, uh, we can't beat them off of the stick these days, and uh, and we recruit by trying to do that. And what, what's that about? Uh, it's, a, it's a hard thing because you don't educate kids. You, you help them educate themselves, and you don't form their characters. You help them form their characters. And that means... Uh, if you get into a world like this, they most of the just remember the movement that has taken over America started at the top. It started in Ger- German universities and spread to Princeton and Johns Hopkins and Columbia first. And Tufts, and Cornell was founded to perpetuate it, and so it started in a few places. A new set of ideas to get rid of the old ones. That's why Woodrow Wilson would say throughout his life as its president of Princeton, the purpose of Princeton is to make young men as different from their fathers as possible, right? And so now in the academic world, that's the great citadel of all of this, and it's just uniform, right? It's overwhelming. And the good places congratulate themselves that they let people who disagree with them talk, and the bad places won't even do that. Wow. yeah, and the point is, it's not it's not just that you get to talk in the university. What do you study, and what conclusions do you draw, and how do you go about drawing them, right? And that stuff is different in kind now. And, uh, I, and I believe, until I, I, maybe I'm an optimist, I believe that there are ties that bind to the old school tie, but they've frayed because people are afraid for their children that they will not lead good lives nor productive ones if they are brainwashed. That's it. And, they, you know, your children go away and your children come back unrecognizable to you. Look, in, in my own case, my parents are the greatest things, you know. My dad was a school teacher, and he found his happiness in the classroom. First one of his family to get a college degree in history, you know, all of the Arkansas stuff. And I grew up very decently. It took about a year and a half for me to just become completely infected with the things they teach in the university. If you read The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis, yes. it begins with a, a, a literature book and explains how, without ever making any argument, they, without ever saying they're going to do that, 
They just reverse the moral world of everybody who goes there. And, of course, it's a big argument from authority. I was just a kid. And what happened to me was I tried to get out of the class, but I was forced by the department into a class that, that we read Plato. And all of a sudden, a whole world of which I'd known nothing grew up as an alternative to this stuff that was just preached everywhere in, in, in Arkansas State University, for goodness sakes. And right? the good news is that there are more places like Hillsdale Well, that will become the norm. I just don't know if there are going to be enough of them fast enough, Dr. Arn, the last minute to you. That is the question. Can we outstrip the speed with which this fungus is spreading? Well, uh, Mike Pence said on our campus last Saturday that that's in God's hands, and I have trust in the future knowing that. Well, he's an optimist, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. that's <laughs> not sure. Not really, I mean, because just thank you. Isn't there an enormous advantage to an argument that establishes your humanity and your freedom as opposed to the one that makes you a tool of evolution and historical circumstances? Well, when you put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Larry Arnn, thank you, my friend. The Hillsdale Dialogues all collected at you for Hillsdale. 